iSiri was designed by Apple in California. And I never listened to I Doubt It with Dallin Moore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Welcome to the show, you awesome, awesome audience. Episode 106 of I Doubt It with Dalamore on this March 15th, 2015. I hate the and 15. <laughs> I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, and sitting across from me, raring to go, is my lovely, talented, and beautiful co-host, Brittany Page. And yawning, apparently. A big tiger yawn. Anyway, I was hoping that just the pause would be cut out after I yawned, and you could just, and then I could just start talking. Nope. Hmm. Apparently not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. Hi. Are you tired? Of course I'm tired. The heat really saps saps your energy levels. Yeah, it's been 90 degrees for three days straight. More so than any human being I know. You really, really are affected by the heat. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm not a fan. No. I don't understand people who do like the heat also. That's how, how badly I, I dislike it. But I can't even understand people who do. Yeah. Because it's very uncomfortable to sweat. And be hot and uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable... Like sweating is uncomfortable or once you've sweat and being sweaty is uncomfortable because there is a distinction there. Um, Just all of it. Yeah. Just yeah, not a fan. Just all huh? of it. I don't like it. Well, it, it has been hot and it will continue to be the rest of this week. It, uh, it looks like it's going to be 90 degrees here all right. in Southern California. That's enough. That's enough. Sunny and dry is the forecast, everybody. That's what we do here. It's a weather forecast for Southern California. Great. We should start a sub secondary podcast. Where we just cover the weather. I'm telling you, you know, we we always talk about moving because, you know, we don't want to live in Southern California yeah, yeah. forever. And one of the main reasons is because of the heat. Like, I just don't want to be in the heat anymore. I want to go somewhere where there is no heat. When, when I talk to neighbors, people in the neighborhood and stuff, about the, the reasons that I want to move and get out of California... Anytime that I mention the weather, they look at me like I am a fucking crazy person. Yeah, I get that too. Because, and it's not that I don't like sunshine. Of course I do. It's just that it's this all the time. It's between 75 and 90 degrees all the time. December, 75 degrees. It's beach weather practically all year round. Yeah, I mean, it gets colder during the winter months in the morning, but then typically by the afternoon, it's back in the 70s. It is never too cold to wear shorts. It is never too cold to wear flip-flops. Well, not for people that are from Southern California. For you, but people that are from Southern California are freezing during the winter months when it's 70 degrees. (laughs) They are walking around freezing. Right. Right. It's crazy mm-hmm. you know what else is crazy uh, i want you to tell the story about what happened this last week or maybe the week before when you were at school mm-hmm. and you met the booger man oh or the boog 
The Boog Man. Yes, yes. This was disgusting. So everybody just uh, just get ready because this is going to make you gag. I don't know if it will. I think it you will. Are... No, I was gagging. Yeah, but that's you. Okay. So here's what happened. I was I was at school <laughs> and in the building that I spend my entire day in, the humanities building, I there's a, a break room for psychology students and you can put your lunch in the fridge and you can eat your lunch in there and you can even, you know, get yelled at by someone taking a test in the break room when you're trying to eat your lunch. Like very strange. All right. You're getting a little inside. Anyway. Um, so I was in there eating my lunch and, you know, this guy comes and sits at a table. It's this giant, just one table with chairs all around it. And he's sitting near me next to me, I guess, not like right next to me, but in my vicinity. And I'm eating my lunch, and he's on his computer, and he starts blowing bugs out of his nose. He's blowing his nose into his hand. No, into the air. It wasn't oh, even really? into his hand. So he was just doing snot rockets indoors. Yes, yes, into the air. Not what? even landing it on anything. Let me explain for our international audience what a snot rocket is, because they may have a different word or term for mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. A snot rocket is where you lean to the side, cover one nostril. Yes. I'm doing it so my nose is, my voice is now like this. Uh -huh. You cover one nostril and you blow very hard yes. to shoot whatever snot mm -hmm. is in the uncovered nostril in a projectile manner out of the nose. And that is exactly what this non-gentleman was doing. He was covering <laughs> one of his nostrils. He really was doing a snot rocket. Yes. And he Inside. Was, yes. And it was not, he wasn't trying to do it like on his computer. He wasn't trying to do it on his hand. He was doing it into the the air. <laughs> into, into, wow. Sorry. Um, was that almost an F-bomb? No. Um, right into the fucking air. <laughs> so, <laughs> Brittany um, Page, everybody. So... I was getting furious. I threw away my food. That This is how disgusted <laughs> I was. I just tossed it in the trash. Like, dunzo. Okay. And he got up because he couldn't get the bug out. So he got up and he went into the bathroom, but I could hear him in there still. So, so he's like wrestling with the bug. Yes. And he's still trying to it's shove like, it out of his nose. It's like that scene in Liar Liar where Jim Carrey's beating the shit out of himself in the bathroom. Except he's fighting over a bug in his mouth. Yes. And I could hear him. And he didn't wash his hands afterward, by the way. He just came out, got on his computer, and I'm sitting there, you know, like everything is on high alert. I am so disgusted. I'm so <laughs> concerned about my, my safety, my health. And then he sneezes all over the place into his arm. It was disgusting. And he like wiped his nose on his arm. Like it was. You, and it was a, it wasn't just a wet sneeze. You said it was a gooey the yes. result Ugh. of the sneeze was gooey. Yeah. Yes. Like the, it was there. He produced phlegmy output onto his sleeve. Yeah. Okay. There, there was a string. Okay. Of ooey, okay. gooey. So I started packing you, up. I, hang on. I no, want to be descriptive no. for the I started audience. packing up all my stuff. I was done. So when he sneezed. Oh my God. No. So it was I, like liquid, like stretchy snot all over his sleeve. So at that point I was done. <laughs> I started packing up my stuff. Was it was it a clear or was it like a like a greenish tint to it? And what was the consistency? What was the viscosity? She's shutting down everybody. All right, okay, go ahead. So I started packing up my stuff and <laughs> I was doing it aggressively and I was I was out of there. You know, I was out of there. You peaced out. Yeah. And I should have been like, you know, on my way out, I should have just looked at him and been like, dude, really? 
really, dude? Like, seriously, this is unacceptable. And then I, I walked out and I got to the stairwell. I was going up to the next floor and I was gagging, like walking up the stairs, thinking about it. People were looking at me like, what is happening to this girl? You were just starting to gag when I was going through the... Yeah, I can't handle it. Yeah. I can't handle it. Okay. It's disgusting. He was blowing his bugs into the air. Yeah. Well, it's... Who does that? It's certainly not. I, I get grossed out and I think it's rude um, to even like blow your nose in a restaurant. I think that's rude. However, the all the, the etiquette people like Emily Post, they have written that that's not impolite. I think that's disgusting. Wait, what? Yeah. To blow your nose in a restaurant like at the table is considered not impolite. Yeah, I think it's weird when people blow their nose, like, in the classroom. I don't know. I just think it's kind of odd. Like, you can get up and go to the bathroom. Unless you're having an emergency sitch, and that stuff is pouring out of your nose, and you need to get it out, like, immediately. You mean, like, you're a toddler, and you've got the stream? Yeah, I mean, you might be sick or something. I don't know what's going on. But you definitely don't just start blowing your bugs into the air, especially when people are eating. Well, listen, blowing the bugs into the air... Didn't you get a little bit of grief? Somebody laughing that you kept using the word boogs. Yeah, I was expl- <laughs> I was telling everyone I could about this just because I needed to share it with somebody. I needed, you know, some counsel and um, <laughs> some counsel. everyone was like, wait, what are you saying? And I was like, boogs, boogs. And no one <laughs> <laughs> saying it multiple times was not helping people understand. But eventually they caught on. Boogs short for boogers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Brittany shortens everything. Taking care of biz, the sitch, yeah, bugs. Yeah. You probably won't do that when you're practicing. Mm, <laughs> yeah. I'm sitting with a client. I'm like, so were you, was he shooting bugs around? So wh- like- what's, what's the sitch with your emotional, what's your emotional sitch right now? <laughs> Are you taking care of biz today? <laughs> All right. Well, that happened. And that's yeah, uh, it's yeah. a terrible situation, especially for Miss Brittany Page, yeah. who is... Uh, a mild germaphobe, as we've uh, <laughs> we have explained in previous episodes. I think so. I think that would make anyone have a visceral reaction, though. I, I don't I, know that I would pack up and leave, but or throw away my food for which I paid money. But I would certainly let him know, hey, 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 no, not in here, dude. Take it outside. It's, I, it's not the fucking football field, guy. I wish I would have when I look back on the situation, because you know maybe he just doesn't know that that's you know, unacceptable. Maybe he doesn't have someone in his life that can say, hey, that's gross. He's the one person at your school who was raised by wolves. Uh, You think maybe that's uh, it? I don't know what happened. I don't know what his situation is, but apparently no one has guided him down the... Well, so you you failed in your responsibility to show him some guidance. I was traumatized. It's no excuse. I was completely traumatized. So he will go to live another day blowing his bugs out in open air areas inside buildings. Yeah, I haven't been in that room since. Ugh, what a nightmare. So speaking of nightmares, it's a nightmare for the NYPD right now. Uh, Someone within the headquarters of the New York Police Department has been found to be editing the Wikipedia page for Eric Garner. Right, and they have edited things like the use of the word chokehold, Right. So they are they're editing phrases to make them seem less severe. Less what happened. 
Um, <laughs> yes. And also try to make them look better. Right. So the Wikipedia account of the confrontation between police officers and Garner, an unarmed black man who was suspected of selling loose cigarettes, was changed in several instances, including two cases in which chokehold was replaced once with chokehold or headlock and once with respiratory distress. And this is capital New York that broke this. Yeah. Um, there's no way around it. It was a chokehold. If you watch the video, which is available freely and all over the place on YouTube, he was choked. It was a chokehold. It was not a headlock. So these are other things that were changed. Garner raised both his arms in the air was changed to Garner flailed his arms about as he spoke. Okay, so they obviously changed right. that to make it seem like he was more threatening than he was. I, I think that uh, w held his arms in the air is not doing justice to what actually happened. I think an apt description of what happened might be he was waving his arms around like people talk with their hands. If the guy was Italian, no one would question it because, ah, he's an Italian guy. He talks with his hands. But because he's a 325-pound black guy... He's kind of menacing, and they want to say flailing. It's still a negative spin on what happened, for sure. Right. Then this was changed as well. Push Garner's face into the sidewalk was changed to push Garner's head down into the sidewalk. So rather than the face into the sidewalk, which seems more aggressive, right. they changed it to push his head, head down yeah. into the sidewalk, also making it sound more technical, right. I think, was the yeah. goal. And then at one point, a one police plaza user attempted to delete the entry for Sean Bell shooting incident altogether. So not only wow. are they editing pages, they're trying to delete pages altogether. You know, it's nice. I mean, Wikipedia obviously isn't the most accurate or viable source for for information. However, over the course of the last several years, they have put safeguards into place where it's not as easy to to make to make uh, critical alterations that uh, completely change the story. So, and and this is one more piece of evidence that although they did change the the Wikipedia page, we know from where those changes originated. Yeah, we know that it's the NYPD headquarters, and it's probably not a product of the official NYPD and the policy, but it's it's a it's obviously someone who who uh, works for the police department. It's not someone just using their Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So obviously, it also makes them just look worse. I think because it's you're obviously going out of your way now to spin this, and yeah. it just makes you look bad. I mean, it just makes you look bad. There's no way around it. Yeah. It's. More to come. I mean, this is not going to be an isolated incident. I think this shit is going to be uh, very prevalent going forward, especially with all the Ferguson stuff that's going on. And um, we'll, you know, keep it out, keep our eyes out for it and see what uh, what comes of it. So I was watching Fox News the other day, two nights ago, I think. And, How dare you? Well, it was. Uh, flip, I always flip back and forth between CNN and Fox News, and really, I find that I don't watch a lot of Fox News anymore. But CNN is doing more like original programming than getting away from news. They're becoming like the Discovery Channel or or the Travel Channel, where they have, you know, Anthony Bourdain and Mike Rowe, and you know the that Morgan Spurlock guy, and. 
Megan Kelly started a story. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to play the interview and then I'm going to stop and start as I go because this is very emblematic of why I don't watch Fox News as much anymore. Well, by as much, I mean, I watch Fox News about, I watch Fox News. I watch Fox News about 10% of the time, Mm -hmm. very, very rarely. So this took place as though it was an actual hard-hitting news story. She took five minutes of programming to talk about this. From the world headquarters of Fox News, it's The Kelly File with Megan Kelly. A new poll out this week from P- Quinnipiac University found that the most trusted news source in America is Fox News. A proud moment for us, but of course some other media outlets immediately tried to undercut the results. So we asked Howie Kurtz to weigh in on the findings and what is going on with broadcast media as we head into the next big election. He is host of Media Buzz, which is right here on FNC. However, he spent years and years and years as part of the Main Street media, uh, including at the Washington Post. So we can. So they're going to bring a guy on to talk about the results to back up the validity and the veracity of the results of this Quinnipiac poll, which I believe to be an accurate poll. I think that. People do think that Fox News is a trusted source, but what people think and what is fact doesn't always line up. Just because they poll people doesn't mean that, well, well, we're accurate because we're the most trusted. You know what I mean? Right. So they bring a guy on to talk about the, the to, to back this up, who's a Fox News employee. <laughs> it just... It's goofy. And ask his opinion on this, Howie. We're number one, so that's nice. <laughs> and uh, many of our media cricket, crit, critics, critics, crickets, whatever, uh, came out and said, "Bull, what?" Uh, I'll let you complete the sentence. Look. Fox earned that trust more among conservatives in this poll, sure, but also finishing first among independents through strong reporting and strong interviews and debate segments with clashing points of view, present company included. At the same time, CNN did pretty well second place with its emphasis on reporting, abysmal last place finish for MSNBC, which has essentially become 500 liberals and Joe Scarborough. (laughs) It's true. No one is watching. And it is interesting because you watch that channel. I mean, I don't watch it, but I hear they get more and more desperate by the day. They get meaner. I I mean, I... Oh, really? This is what's weird is... What is desperate? I mean, I do believe that MSNBC is there. They are in, in in cornered animal mode. But doesn't this very thing that they're they're practicing right here seem kind of desperate? When yeah. you're number one and you're kicking ass, you don't need little segments like this talking about how great you are. If you're truly great and you're truly trusted, why do you need to? Why do do you got to toot your own fucking horn? I also like how he said that CNN is doing pretty well in number two with... The reporting. With their emphasis on reporting. (laughs) You mean with how they do the news? Right. It's it's not tabloid journalism. Right. Which most of... this This is the reason that Fox isn't on very often. 
is because most of the programming is opinion based. It's not news reporting. Right. If you compare it to the CNN reporting, they are reporting all day, even when Aaron Burnett is on and she's probably on versus like Hannity. And then when Anderson Cooper's on, he's probably on versus Greta, you know. And so whatever the lineup is on CNN, even though they have people reporting, just like Fox News does, CNN is actually still reporting the news, whereas, you know, Hannity, Greta, all those people, it's still politically debate motivated. That, that's it. It's that debate motivated where CNN has gotten away from that model where they have lefty. Hi, and joining us tonight is Lefty McGee. And on the other side of the issue, Righty Magoo. And they're going to battle it out and talk over one another so no one gets any information about the issue at all. They don't, they've kind of gotten away from that. And Fox News is still, you know, they are he heavy and steady just driving that model into the ground. Right. So. I understand. It's, it's hard to be last. Um, and so they get meaner and meaner, and then it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. There's nothing worse than a bad lose, bad well, winner. It's just, just even if you're a liberal, it gets boring if you're hearing the same points of view all the time, every single. Oh, hour. really? Oh, no, it does not. Doesn't mean you're mean. <laughs> oh, it gets boring hearing the same points of view over and over. Really, guy? Because that's what you're getting, largely at Fox News. Right. And you, I mean, you've got your O'Reilly hour. You've got right. your Hannity hour. Right. You've got your Megyn Kelly hour. It's you've all your Fox and friends. All that morning programming is the same fucking diatribe over and over and over. It's all opinion. They do have a couple of shows. Even Shep Smith, for as much love as I have for that man, does give more opinion than he should trying to be snarky, funny guy. Well, he, and he he gives a more liberal right. Opinion. Well, he I agree with his point of view, right? And he meshes more with what what I what I got going on. So right, I it doesn't bother me as much. He still gives way more opinion than say Jake Tapper, For Wolf sure. Blitzer, you know any Anderson. any of the CNN reporters, right? So it it is more opinion based. But what they said about the the liberals, it just gets you know boring, right? No, it doesn't <laughs> because just like how the conservatives love hearing what they believe over and over and over again yeah. from Hannity, the liberals love hearing over and over and over again what they believe from MSNBC. This For is sure. what contributes to the polarization, and this is where. You know, we always talk about the echo chamber. That's where people feel most comfortable. Absolutely. That's where they want to stay. So it's not just liberals that are like that. No, it's everybody. Right. Well, it's just just because they're they this poll is out and it says they're most trusted. It's it's they're casting aspersions on MSNBC. I mean, they don't want to see sanctimonious nastiness every night. Oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah, I, look, I mean, Fox is controversial. I didn't even have to fucking. Are you kidding me? I should. Why should I should have just let it play for another five seconds? She knows that Hannity works with her, right? Yeah, sanctimonious nastiness. Even Gretchen Carlson is a sanctimonious nasty per person. We'll do, we'll leave it at that. I'm not going to get too nasty about it. But she's. I think she's a horrible person. Yeah, very often these people border on the edge of being hateful. I mean, honestly, I, I have seen Sean Hannity debate people, and he's very often quite hateful. Uh, yeah, so totally I'm just confused hateful. as to what she's saying. It would not. This is the this is the state that Fox News currently finds themselves. I would not be surprised if they were to give an anchor position in an hour long uh, segment 
hour-long uh, slot to the likes of of Ann Coulter. I right. mean, still, they give Laura Ingram, she sits in all the time when Bill O'Reilly's out. Right, usually count, on Fridays. When he's out counting his money. Oh, is it Fridays? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know. So when he's out counting his money, they give her the, the chair. Mm-hmm. And that's... She's also very hateful. Very hate, not not quite to the level of Ann Coulter, but it's it's certainly uh, not good. It is part of a culture war, I guess you could say, in this country. But some of the Fox haters, I think, you know, based on the feedback I get, either don't watch or aren't aware that we've got a really strong team. You know, aside from the opinionated folks and people like Brett Baer and uh, and Ed Henry and James Rosen and Chris Wallace, you know, people who are down the middle journalists. You know, I think it's interesting because. I believe all that. All those names he just gave are down-the-middle journalists. You don't believe that? I mean, okay, I think generally, yes. Um, I would say I would say Chris Wallace, I mean, I think he leans to the right. I think generally mm. he tries to be fair, but, but you know that he leans to the right. So I, I don't think so. Hmm. I, I think Chris Wallace, if anybody on that list, this is weird that we both have different opinions on this, um, I think that it would be Brett Baer who leans right, but not not even quite quite as far as his predecessor, Britt Hume. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Chris Wallace is the son of Mike Wallace, legendary sixty minutes liberal newsman. I I don't think Chris Wallace is a is a is a conservative. I think he's a straight tries really tries hard to be a straight uh, straight down the middle news guy. And the same with Carl Cameron. And uh, James Rosen, the, these people—they really are. They're the—they are the, the the ballast that centers Fox News and gives them any credibility whatsoever. And the only reason I would still defend Fox News in any way are because of those specific names that he just named. Well, he—I mean, he forgot Peter Ducey. <laughs> <laughs> Is Peter Ducey the the dad or it's, the the stupid son? Yeah, it's the son. Steve's <laughs> Steve, Steve Ducey's Ducey, son, right? right. Sorry, I just had to. I had to throw that in there. Peter Ducey. The Ducey, the Ducey boys. The Deuce. <laughs> they are a knot down the middle. Dropping a deuce. A couple of years ago, we said we had Scott Pelley, who anchors the CBS Evening News, come out and say, "Not a lot of people watch cable news." And then he said, "I wonder whether we have." moved beyond the time of the cable news networks. CBS, they get 10%, just 10% say they're most trusted compared with Fox News where we have triple their number. So what? So she's conflating two different issues. She's confusing two things, whether or not someone trusts you and viewership. You know what I mean? Right. He because Scott Pelley was talking about well no one really watches them anymore, and then she says well they only got ten percent entrusted. Just because you're trusted doesn't mean that you have a large audience. The fact that CNN, I, I don't know, it's just it's stupidity. It bothers me. And you know Megyn Kelly used to be somebody who held some modicum of respect in my heart. When, before she changed time slots. Yeah, when she was in the morning, I still really liked her. Although I've always had an issue with her stance on the morning after pill because she is a Catholic. Yeah, she's crazy Catholic. Yeah, and so she would say things about the morning after pill, um, you know, lending credibility to the argument that it is an abortion pill, which it's not. 
just right. a fact right just speaking in facts here and so that would always frustrate me that she would let that out as a news person right you know who's supposed to be talking about facts so so again i have news for scott pelly you're wrong wrong again scott well, this is a sea change, the uh, declining trust or interest in broadcast network news, uh, which is doing less news, less serious news, and less investigative reporting. Interesting, uh, at NBC, whose uh, anchor, Brian Williams, of course, is out on a six-month suspension. Of course they're going to get that. And I'm going to drop it there. I'm not going to. I just turned it off. But, uh, of course, they've got to get that little barb in there that Brian Williams is on his six-month suspension. Even though... Bill O'Reilly was caught doing things, I believe, more egregious uh, and isn't going anywhere because that sort of thing doesn't matter when you sit behind the desk of opinion at Fox News. So another story that was covered on Fox News, but I don't have the clip. We're not really going to talk about that particular reaction. Um... There was an uproar this last week about a photograph that was taken in in northern Virginia by a photographer, and it was of a navy a navy so, uh, a sailor who was taking a picture with their baby, and they had draped kind of draped the baby in a flag. So it was like the baby was in a flag hammock, an American flag hammock, and there was a lot of uproar um, regarding this online right so the photographer and navy veteran vanessa hicks took this photo and she had no idea that the controversy would ensue hicks a virginia resident took a photo of rodney clevenger cradling his newborn son in an american flag while wearing his navy uniform she says i do believe that the picture right here shows what it means to be an american that flag the uniform that baby exactly what every service member is out there fighting for i assume that should be added right to, to the right. sentence what some saw as a beautiful moment between parent and child others saw as a desecration of the flag according to usa today a facebook page called quote you call yourself a photographer question mark which has since been deleted criticized hicks saying among other things that the flag is not a prop critics cited the u.s flag code the u.s flag code which states that the flag should not be worn as apparel or used as a receptacle for holding or carrying anything um those are two things i was going to talk about um having served in the united states marine corps Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> um, we were taught these things about how to, how to hold, how to respect, how to treat the flag. And one, one, one thing is there's a lot of hyperbole and hyperbolic language surrounding this particular thing. That she's desecrating the flag by taking a picture of someone using it as a hammock for their little tiny newborn baby. Right. People are saying that she should be dishonorably discharged from yeah. the Navy. There were also rape threats, of course. Anytime anything like this happens, people are flinging around rape threats. Fucking disgusting human beings. Well, when did that become a thing, is I, my question. Write that down. We're going to talk about it after this. That's a, that's a new topic we didn't plan on, but rape threats. So... I want to talk about the flag code real quick. All these type of people who are going to be, uh, you shouldn't be doing that, the flag. These are the type of people that you see with their cowboy shirts made out of the American flag. 
with a bathing suit made out of the American flag, with those stupid bandanas made out of the American flag. All of that is against the flag code. All of that, if you really want to follow the flag code, no, no, no piece of clothing. Uh, let me just go through some of these things. The flag should not be used as uh, wearing apparel, bedding, or drapery, or for covering a speaker's desk, draping a platform, or any other decoration, except for decorating a coffin. So that means no 4th of July flag tablecloths. That's right. Yeah, anything that's going to be thrown away even. Did I just read that, or is that the next one? Like a, like a napkin. Like a 4th of July American flag napkin. That's right. Should that's disrespectful. That person should also believe that is denigrating the flag. Uh, the flag should uh, never be drawn back or bunched up in any way. The flag should not be used as a covering for a ceiling. The flag should never be used for any advertising purpose. This is the other point that I wanted to talk about. While I was watching a video on the aforementioned Fox News, it was that terrible Elizabeth Hasselback, and she was interviewing this photographer. And in the bottom third of the screen, where they have the people's names and all that, they've got this waving flag, which is clearly promoting their network as being the Patriot Network, the American Network. Right. It's, it is a sense and a type of advertising to be using the flag in that way, I think. And as far as I'm concerned, would be against the flag code. Uh, it should not be embroidered, printed, or otherwise impressed upon such articles as cushions, handkerchiefs, napkins, boxes, or anything intended to be temporary or discarded. Um, advertising signs should not be attached to the staff or the halyard. The flag should never be fastened, displayed, used, or stored in a manner that is easily torn, blah, blah, blah. The flag should not be used as part of a costume or athletic uniform, except the flag may be attached like a patch, you know, to show that you're running for America. Uh, the flag lapel pins may also be worn. They are considered replicas and are worn near the heart. The flag, that so that that can be done. The flag should never have any mark, insignia, letter, word, number, figure, or drawing of any kind placed on it or attached to it. And then again, the flag should never be used as a, uh, as a receptacle for re receiving, holding, carrying, or delivering anything. There are many, many more about like stepping on it, um, how it should be mended, how it should be disposed of, all this stuff. But the, the, I don't have as much... Listen, it's a flag. It's, it's a piece of cloth. It's the same reason why I'm completely okay and totally against a law... A constitutional amendment, which was very popular several years ago, a, a constitutional amendment to ban flag burning. It, you cannot destroy what the flag represents. So it, it is only a representation. These people need to calm the fuck down with their rape threats, with their dishonorable discharges. Come on. Right. And I, I get that, too. And I think, you know, she can probably say, yeah, I realize this is against the flag code. All right. Because she's denying that it is. But, you know, I can realize that it is. But at the same time, 
it's just a picture. I'm I'm doing this to be respectful. Right, and I understand the the, the symbolism behind the picture that the the, the 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 America's cradling the baby. I get the symbolism. Right, it's not like the baby is taking a dump on the flag. I right. mean, it's it's not a diaper. No, the baby is laying in the flag. It's this beautiful picture with the it's veteran almost, holding the flag, and it, it's it's almost like one of those Ann Gettys photos where the 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 baby is made into like the into a, the petals of a flower or whatever. It's it's a little tiny baby asleep inside the flag. There's nothing disrespectful about it. Right. Obviously, this picture is meant to be patriotic. Yes. So even though this isn't the intended use of the flag, you know, per the flag code, it's still meant to be a patriotic photo. So so I guess the entire, the entire uh, purpose of this segment would be calm down. Don't be so radical in your view about the goddamn flag. It is a it is a sacred symbol. I think it is. But to start threatening rape and to demand her dishonorable discharge and to completely discount her service to her country, quit being crazy. And back to the point, what is the deal with rape being thrown around every fucking time you disagree with somebody's rating or review of a video game like with uh, former guest Alana Alana Pierce, or this, or a recent tweet from a, a podcast that I know this week that talked about someone needed to open a cape, a, a, a can of rape ass on a woman on Ann Coulter. Mm-hmm. It just it shouldn't be so flippantly used or used at all. It's rape is a brutal, violent, terrible crime. Well, I just don't. I mean, are, are they trying to be funny? Are they trying? It's not. I just don't know when it became a thing to threaten rape, even in a joking manner. I mean, I'm you're tweeting someone that you don't know. You're writing to someone that you don't know. And yeah. you're saying you deserve to be raped. You should be raped. Yeah. I mean, honestly, what? Like, what is going on in someone's head as they're write, writing that? And then when they hit send or post, what is going through their head? I mean, honestly, I think the internet makes makes weak weak-minded and physically weak human beings they feel invincible because of anonymity. It's very strange to me. Because I use the internet no different than I would in person. If I say something on the internet, I would say that to the person's face. I look at it as a conversation. And I don't feel stronger, I don't feel more emboldened by the fact that I'm sitting behind my iPhone or behind my my laptop. And I think many, many people do. And it's, I think it's tragic. I was thinking of if that was going to be <laughs> hyperbole, but I think it's tragic. It's a terrible thing that the society in which we live, people feel stronger and bolder because their face isn't seen or you're not quite sure who they are or they don't immediately answer for that in which they which they communicate. It's definitely a bummer. It's the asshole of today. The asshole of today is none other than Creflo Dollar. Creflo, Creflo Dollar is a an Atlanta, Georgia based televangelist, uh, super church pastor, and 
the, his church, or he actually, took to the internet this week and published a video. And this is some of that video. Recently, I was on my way to Australia at the invitation of Planet Shakers to minister, and we were on our way over the Pacific Ocean. And about an hour into the trip, the right engine went out. In 1999, Creflo Dollar Ministries purchased a 1984 aircraft for the specific purpose of reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But on a recent trip, the 30-year-old aircraft experienced a mechanical failure. If you lost an engine, uh, especially going to Hawaii, you're stretching, being able to get back to land. And so we was about an hour and a half out uh, when the engine flamed out. By the grace of God and the experience of a qualified flight crew, the CDM <laughs> ministry team arrived safely in Australia. However, challenges with the aging aircraft continue. As airplanes get older, they get less reliable. The plane's 30 years old, and this is nothing that you, it's not like a car where you can pull over on the side when something goes wrong. And uh, I knew it was time to begin to believe God uh, for a, a new airplane. So, a couple things. One is, and if not for the grace of God and the experience of our flight crew. <laughs> right. Really, it, you can't just give credit to the flight crew. You have to get the God jab in there. So anyway, they are asking for money for a new jet for the church. Well, won't the grace of God take care of that, though? Well, I, yeah, I guess not. I guess uh, God's a little, he's a little tight with the purse strings. Mm. They, they, they released like a six-minute video, and this is the other part of the video explaining um, the money part of it. We are believing for 200,000 people to give contributions of 300 U.S. dollars or more to make this a reality. If all of our existing partners were to sow $300 each, all over the world, we'd be able to acquire this jet in a very, very short period of time. But any contribution or gift amount is graciously appreciated as we continue to spread the gospel of grace. So they're asking 200,000 people to give $300 or more. That's 60, 60, 60 million dollars. Wow. They want, there's a particular jet that they have their eye on, Brittany. The Gulfstream G650. Mm -hmm. And this is for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, is it not? Well, they can't. Brittany, listen, don't, you don't have to be a dick about it. It's You cannot spread the gospel flying commercial. That's impossible. <laughs> okay. Well, how about they donate all that money to, like, you know, people to eat food? Food is something that's really important. No, Brittany, listen. I think more important than people being exposed to the gospel. You're and then not, also, how about money for people's education? You're not being reasonable, Brittany. I think maybe education is more important than being exposed to the gospel. How dare you? Food, education. How dare you? These things are important. Brittany, a Gulfstream G650 will ensure the proper dissemination of the word of God, mm -hmm. the grace, the love, the forgiveness, the selfless. Oh, wait, maybe not selflessness. You know, this guy dresses way too well. He drives He drives a Rolls Royce. He owns a $2.5 million apartment or $1.5 I don't want to get it wrong. 
he 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 owns a more than a million dollar apartment in Manhattan. I think it's a million and a half. He, like I said, the Rolls Royce. He owns two Rolls Royces. Two, two Rolls Royces, a multi million dollar property in Atlanta. In Atlanta. He listen. He's the asshole of today. So I'm I'm okay with that. But but I I did a little research. Listen, I did a little research and I found out a little bit of information about the Gulf the Gulfstream G650. So the the Gulfstream G650, the cabin space inside this aircraft is larger than most people's houses. 2138 cubic feet. Oh, cubic feet. So that's a little different. So maybe not. Uh 611 miles per hour maximum speed. The recommended cruising speed is 561 miles per hour. Uh, it has a 6,900 mile uh, range. And here's where it gets very interesting. Uh, of course, the cost of the aircraft is $60 million. And the hourly operating cost, $9,400 an hour. That is insane. So if, if we were to fly right now in a G650 to San Francisco, it's about an hour flight, that would cost $9,400. How much would it cost if we flew commercial? I mean, Mitt Romney, for all of his faults, the $200 million man, Mitt Romney flies Southwest. He flies commercial everywhere he goes. How much would it cost to um, feed, I don't know, you know, a couple hundred people. How many people could you feed with that Less, amount of money? Oh, I was a couple hundred people. You could feed them, you know, like the soup kitchens and stuff like that. I don't know. Right. I, I bet you it's isn't that hundreds and hundreds of people for 10 grand. Isn't that more important? Isn't that a better mission to go on? Isn't that a better way to use funds? I mean, this is a church. If, if, if we were to go by the moniker... And the, the common questions that Christians ask themselves, what would Jesus do? Do you think Jesus would need to, well, Jesus could fly on his own because he's a superhero, but Jesus wouldn't, I can guarantee Jesus wouldn't need a goddamn $60 million jet. Jesus would, would go on foot. You know, he might ride a bike. He might have a car. But there's not a goddamn chance that he would have a $60 million jet with an almost $10,000 an hour operating budget. Right. And it takes a crew of four, four human beings to, 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 to be on crew. Right. So it's not just the operating cost. It's also the crew and the salaries, and they got to be on, on standby. It's, this is ridiculous. This man is a charlatan, and nobody needs to be given money. How convenient that his last name is Dollar. Also, I just looked, and the engine of this plane, and maybe this is why he wants this plane, it's a uh, Rolls-Royce. <laughs> That's who manufactures the engine of the Gulfstream. You know, here's what's amazing to me is that he has an estimated net worth of $27 million. Right. You know, you're a preacher. You are a preacher. That's right. You're supposed to be... I don't know. I just, I feel weird when these, these men of God, right, who are just spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ have such a tremendous net worth. It, it, uh, there, there's a website that I was looking at today. That's like the 10 
most wealthy black ministers. And the, the, the town in which he lives, the average salary, yearly salary in his town is like $26,000 a year. And he's worth $27 million. Right. And apparently this is like his message that he preaches, that God wants to bless the faithful with earthly riches. Yeah, of course. He's, his, he's the black Joel Austin. His church has 30,000 members. Who was arrested a couple of years ago for choking, trying to strangle, and repeatedly punching in the face his daughter, who called 911. Allegedly attacking. Yeah, well, he was. I just said he was arrested for it. Yes. I'm just saying he was allegedly attacking her. Right. She probably was just playing a little joke. Right. I also think it's funny. He says this plane is essential for him to, quote, reach a lost and dying world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you can't do it flying commercial, Brittany. <laughs> because he can't do it himself. Right. <laughs> right. I think that's the more ironic thing there. Yeah. Well. Just feed people. Okay. Help people with, with your $27 million, please. It is disgusting, especially when you listen to the the video or the when you watch the video and of course the emotional we music we are believing for 200,000 people to Listen give to that contributions music. of 300 US dollars or more to make this a reality uh so he's a piece of shit i mean there's there's no bones about it there's no way to go, get around that he's a terrible person so speaking of terrible people well maybe not terrible just stupid stefan lanka uh, he made a bet a few years ago or made a wager, kind of like the James Randi Psychic Foundation, you know, the Educational Foundation. They have their psychic challenge. Well, this Stefan Lanka, he put out a $100,000 challenge for someone to prove that the measles virus exists. And shockingly enough, someone provided the proof and he refused to pay. After he refused refused to pay, uh, the person who proved it to him took it to court, and a German court, <laughs> a German court just ruled, and forced him to pay one hundred thousand dollars. It's about one hundred six thousand euros uh, for being a dumbass, I guess. I mean, that's kind of a sideways way of looking at it, but uh, he's a hundred thousand dollars poorer today than he was yesterday because of that fact. Yeah, so this is this is quite interesting because um, apparently this guy is a vocal anti-vaccine activist and a biologist by training. Right. What? So he, he's a he's a creationist. Yeah, he's um, he's one of those who 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 is still clinging. He's one of those who is still clinging to his faith and his mythology, yet trying to make it mesh. He's cramming Christianity into his science and trying to make them go together, and it just it just doesn't work. Well, it's also weird. It's almost like a conspiracy theorist thing because he wanted someone to prove that the measles virus exists. Right. So it's not like prove that the vaccine is good. You know, he right. he wants to he, he wants the virus the, yeah, proof. He doesn't even believe the virus exists. It's very confusing. I guess that's just hives on all those pictures of those kids being tortured by the disease. I know what what. I'm confused. He's, he's an idiot. Oh, well, that's a perfect segue for this next story. Speaking of idiots, uh, a bride, the bride's not the idiot here, but a bride in India walked away from the altar on her wedding day because she quizzed 
her husband on a math with a math problem and he failed the test. The question she asked, how much is 15 plus 6? Obviously, the answer is 167. <laughs> his reply, <laughs> his reply was 17. Mhm. 15 plus 6. The answer is 17. Mhm. So she here's the I mean on the face of this you think oh wow she's she's divorced him for that but well should we report the correct answer I think the answer is 21 yeah I know I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he it was an arranged marriage so they didn't really know each other and the family had had falsely she and her family were under the false assumption that he was well educated and so when she finally got to meet him and they finally got some time alone together on their wedding day prior to the wedding, she wanted to quiz him and make sure he was as smart as he had purported himself to be. When that didn't happen, she fucking peaced out. <laughs> right. The bride's father said the groom's family kept us in the dark about his poor education. Even a first grader can answer this, he said. Local police mediated between the families and both sides returned all the gifts and the jewelry that had been exchanged before the wedding. Last month, another bride in India married a wedding guest after the original groom had a seizure and collapsed at the wedding venue. <laughs> yes, the groom's family had not revealed that the groom was epileptic. While the groom was rushed to the hospital, uh, the bride asked one of the wedding guests to step in and married him instead. So that is weird. India has a lot of interesting things going on related to weddings. They, recently. they say that the statistics support um, arranged marriages, that they last statistically on, on average longer than regular, you know, what we would in Western culture think is uh, more kind of standard marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think that's true. No. Mm -mm. Well, let's look it up. I think it's either very close or marrying for love is is above it. And I think that that's just a popular myth that gets floated around. So I don't I don't know if that's true. I don't know. I'm trying to remember because I'm in a a intimate relationships graduate seminar right now. And I know that we talked about this the first week, I think. Um, I can't really remember. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we'll look it up and we'll address it. We'll address it on um, on the next show because th there are other variables that could come into play, like just cultural pressure and all this other stuff. So we'll look it up because I think it's fascinating if, if it is, you know, pushes one way or the other. So, co-creator of The Simpsons, Sam Simon, recently died, and he donated, upon his death, $100 million to various charities, most of those being animal-related. All of that is awesome. It's wonderful. But he, he made some troubling statements throughout his life and, and related to animal cruelty or whatever, and specifically... Not so much troubling statements about animal cruelty. It's kind of a sideways uh, way to look at it. But uh, troubling statements about animal testing and the medical advancements that we, what he thought, nothing good has come from animal testing. Right. He said, quote, I want medical experiments on animals stopped. They don't do anything and they don't work. Veganism is an answer for almost every problem facing the world in terms of hunger and climate change. 
So, you know, he loved animals. Sure. Great. That's great. Yeah, admirable. Um, to he, love animals. He do- donated a lot of money to help animals. Great. He doesn't want animals being abused or harmed in any way. Great, again. Right. The only issue I have here is wanting all medical experiments on animals to be stopped. And also the fact that he says they don't do anything and they don't work. Um, I just think that's wildly out of line well it's and it's, incorrect it's just it's just false it's patently false we have talked about um some studies recently um where you know they have used mice to study people who are paralyzed and so they paralyze the mice right they break the back of the mouse which is terrible breaking the back of an animal right but then they they put they put something on its brain to stimulate areas of its brain to make it walk. Right. And it's able to walk. And these are obviously medical experiments. These are experiments to, well, how can we help people who are paralyzed? What kind of science can we use here to help people that are paralyzed? And it's coming from studies on mice, which, you know, it's an animal. Well, even, even, um, insulin, and the developments and the advancements we've made to treat diabetes, uh, that is a result of, of a, a byproduct from dogs. And millions and mi- hundreds of millions of people are now relieved of, the, of death, of fear of death from their disease because of animal testing. Right, and same with antibiotics, antidepressants, most drugs that humans use have been tested on animals. And then also we were just recently watching the Vice special on a cure for cancer. And they were featuring some studies on mice. Right. And on this, I don't know if I should call it a documentary. Is it a doc- yeah, documentary? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. The Vice, the Vice special, the, uh, the, the recent Vice special on curing cancer on HBO, home box office. Right. And so they are using the measles virus to kill tumors, cancerous tumors. And it's an amazing documentary. If you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. But they were studying on mice. Right. So, you know, they showed these certain results on mice. And then they're like, okay, this is what we're getting with mice. Now let's start trying this on humans. And that's usually how it works. You test it on animals. Then you move into the human trials. And... We have all these amazing medical advancements because of animals. And sure, it's it's not it's not perfect. It's not great. You know, the animals obviously don't have a great time with this. You know, they're being given tumors. Sure. And then they're being given the drugs to kill the tumors. Well, it's, so it's it's not ideal. It, it, listen, there are lots of diseases. It, it, HIV. Uh, I'm on a website right now, um, amprogress.org. It says a cure has not been found for HIV slash AIDS, but the new therapies HIV has be- um, with but with new therapies HIV has become a chronic has merely become a chronic disease, and infected persons are living normal lives for many years. Research, including work with animal models, continues to develop new medicines with fewer side effects. So, if you know someone living with HIV AIDS. It's because if they're living a normal life right now, those drug therapies are a direct result of testing on 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 monkeys. So 
it's for someone to say and put that out there that there no good has come from animal testing is irresponsible. But th these are just I'm just going to run through. We're not going to talk about it specifically, but great developments in cancer research, HIV, AIDS, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, Parkinson's disease, hepatitis C, birth defect, bioterrorism, uh, medical countermeasures relative to, you know, smallpox and th those type of attacks. We have had great strides in that epilepsy, spinal cord injuries, cystic fibrosis, animal testing, while there is a balance, is, is very valuable. And we do definitely get there is a measured benefit. For, for someone to say something as irresponsible as the late Sam Simon, uh, it's irresponsible. Well, and it's just, you know, like we said, it's. It's kind of a necessary, unfortunate thing, right? Yeah. I mean, because what other option do we have? I understand that he wants the, the animal testing to stop. Then what is his... What's the alternative? Yeah, yeah I don't know. What is the alternative? I mean, I, I would love to to hear them out, but what is the alternative? They well, don't have one. It's just don't do that. So, you know, millions of people die. Right. And that's kind of the thing. I mean, you know, when you watch these videos of kids that have these diseases and, and they're suffering and they're hurting and, you know, we have ways to help them. We have ways to figure things out. Yeah. And you're going to forego that because you don't want the animals harmed. I mean, I know it's a controversial subject, well, but it's also sad that animals have to suffer. Yeah, it's a bummer. But would you rather have your son or daughter or mother or wife or husband die? in a terrible manner or some some rats or mice you know their short lives become shorter through animal testing and your your loved one gets to live on well and i know people that you know work in labs with animals and they love these animals they love these rats and you know they are so thankful to them for providing the information as that we, they do as we all should be and they you know when the irb approves a study they need to make sure that you are handling these animal issues ethically so it's not like they're just oh i'm gonna i'm gonna you know whoop this animal's ass well, it's like when they break the rat's back like we just talked about and then treat it for that spinal cord injury i'm sh it's not just they don't bang the rat against a desk and break its back no, it, it's it's done surgically. It's done with the rat under anesthesia. It's done in a way that needs to be approved. Absolutely. And it's done responsibly and ethically. So this is kind of related, though. Um, there's an article. It's a it's a paper that's just been published by the Journal of Social Forces at the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, about where exactly this distrust of science comes from. Right. So most people typically, even though we talk about this a lot on the show, people still think conservatives hate science, don't accept science. Liberals love science, accept science. Right. That's still kind of the prevailing attitude, even though it's wrong. I still I still battle with um, I still battle with it because I'm I'm prone to believing Christians and conservatives are anti-science all the time. And liberals just, you know, like you just said, they're all for science. And that isn't clearly the case. Right. So on the first look at the data, this sociologist, his name is Gordon Gauchat. You love the name. When are people going to have just easy names for me to read? I don't... The, 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 the great thing about what we do here is that I never have to do the reading or 
or the name deciphering. So I'm always just free from the the barrage of artillery of the names and you you're unfortunately in line of fire. So. Right. So on the first look at the data, this sociologist found left-right differences in the responses. Conservatives were somewhat less likely to favor the use of scientific information in shaping public policy and also less likely to support science receiving federal funding. So aside from the conservative-liberal differences, he found several other factors that leaped out as being more important than just the simple left-right divide. A political psychological trait called authoritarianism often described as a tendency to see issues in sharply black and white terms was also tied to distrusting the use of science for policy meanwhile distrust of government itself not surprisingly was linked to not wanting science to receive government funding so seeing things in black and white terms and then also distrusting the government was seen as people having more of a mistrust of science which can both be a right, both of those things, distrust of government can be both right and left. Yes. And seeing things as black and white, meaning extreme one side or extreme the other, those are both liberal and conservative issues. Those are clearly not just conservative problems. Exactly. And he says, overall, these results show that the perceptions of science are polarized, but this political discord reflects deeper cultural belief systems that cohere on the political right. So he so ultimately I guess he's saying it's more of a right problem but no way in no way shape or form only a right problem. That's exactly what he's saying. Yeah, so yeah. so the tendency is for it to be more conservative but that doesn't rule out the liberals. Right, which we see with, you know, people people gentlemen like Bill Maher. Right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being respectful, Brittany Page. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that was another comment um, that I made while watching the Vice documentary on um, killing cancer, curing cancer, whatever it's called. And the first name that popped up as an executive producer was Bill Maher. And during this documentary, there were four points where I gasped and looked at Jesse. Yeah, several times you did. More than four times. Every time they talk about genetic engineering, genetically modifying the Mm -hmm. virus. To kill cancer. Which is a genetically modified organism. It is a GMO. She would gasp. Oh, my God. What? Yes, and so I kept doing that, and then, you know... At the end, the very first name pops up is executive producer Bill Maher. Yeah, so I said to Jesse, I'm like, did he not watch this? Right. Because f- at many different points throughout this, they're like, we ge- we genetically engineered this, we genetically modified this virus to kill cancer. It's the same thing. Yeah, very funny. Beneficial. GMO benefiting society. Going to... They're talking about this this cure, and we might even just do a story on this, but... Doing a cure, having a cure available for cancer, many types of cancer, approved, the treatments approved by the FDA for widespread use as early as 2016. It is a fascinating, wonderful time in which we live. And ah, it's just, it's awesome. I mean, it's, this is a tear jerking special watching little girls on the, on the, on the precipice of death, emaciated, ready to die. And then completely healed. Completely healed. They lose pounds of cancerous, tumorous tissue. Is tumorous even a word? Probably not. So 
awesome. We, we live in great times. Science is a wonderful thing that through animal research, like we just talked about, and through the advancements of science and medical technology, things are getting ah, just fucking beautiful. Beautiful. Taking care of biz. Basketball players. Yeah. Yes. Basketball players are taking care of biz this week in their defense of a bullied young girl. An inspiring story out of Kenosha. A student being bullied at a junior high school basketball game caught the attention of the basketball players. And those players walked off the court to defend her. Michelle Fiore reports from Kenosha. Well, this is where it all happened for Desiree Andrews. As she was being bullied from these stands, a couple of boys on the basketball team said, enough's enough. And that's where this bullying situation turned her life around. Desiree Andrews no longer walks to class alone. Students have been drawn to her after a situation that could have taken away this pretty smile. The kids in the audience were picking on D, so we all stepped forward. Andrews has Down syndrome. These three boys were in the middle of a game when they heard something upsetting directed at one of their cheerleaders, a girl who dances to her own beat. So when I heard that they were talking about her, like it kind of like made me mad. Basketball players stepped to action, walked off the court, and asked the bully to stop. It's not fair when other people get treated wrong because we're all the same. We're all created the same. God made us the same way. Dee and the boys are now eighth graders and last night played their last game in the gymnasium that they have affectionately dedicated to their friend. Are they calling it something special? Yeah. What is it? Dee's house. Dee's house? Yeah. How does that make you feel? Good. The athletic director tells us the name has stuck. He's planning to make a banner officially calling the gym Dee's house. What did your family think? I think they're sweet, kind, and awesome. It's amazing. Sweet, awesome, kind, and amazing? Yeah. Well, Desiree's next step's high school. As for her future, she says she wants to be famous. We think she's already famous. In Kenosha, Michelle Fiore, today's TMJ4. She's pretty famous already. It's Dee's house. She is. I loved how those young men stepped up. Hey, great job. So, I mean, obviously, taking care of Biz, I think it's just awesome. Watching the video, I really was getting misty. It's yeah really really good it's just i'm so thankful that people like this exist well what they didn't explain in the video which is a bummer they stopped in the middle of the game right stopped the game right and walked over and had this asshole stop it right so we should all learn from this because you know even at you know at the college level i have seen very catty terrible things happen at yeah. School. Yeah. Um. You know, one time a a girl walked by, and these two girls near me started talking about you know how ridiculous her outfit was, or like I don't know her hair, or just like criticizing something about her appearance. I think you've talked about this on the show before. It must have been something that really resonated with you because you 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 talk about it a lot. Well, I just we're adults, right? right. In graduate school, 
in a profession to learn about a profession of helping people. Well, this was before graduate school. I think this oh, was my oh. senior year of my undergraduate huh. degree, but still you're in college. So you're definitely 18. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just a weird, someone walks by and you start making fun of what they're wearing. Like I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. You're like an adult. I just, and who is this person at this game that is, making fun of this person in front of everybody i just well, who, who is doing that obviously a kid a stupid insecure child who's probably has a terrible home life and doesn't feel good about themselves so they want to cut someone low to try to build themselves up or feel that way it's an artificial system of 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 uh, making yourself feel feel or or appear big or or strong but i think it's great that these three kids stopped playing basketball in the middle of a game, walked over and put a fucking end to it. That's I I really hope that these these young men grow up to be this type of man because standing in the gap, standing in the void for someone else is is a it takes it takes strength and it takes integrity and more people should act like this in their adult lives to take up for someone who is out of power, who is being put down and being, you know, whether it be made fun of or treated poorly, if we all did this in our lives, it would be a much better place. I agree. So I guess that's going to do it for this episode of I Doubt It. A um, couple things. As always, we love you for listening. I don't, I never, listen, whenever I say that, and I say it every single episode, several times, I don't want it to become this thing that I just say that it's, oh yeah, hey, thanks for listening. We love you guys. Blah, 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 blah. I don't, when I say it, I really mean it. We, Brittany and I talk about it all the time. We very much appreciate the audience that we have. We appreciate every single listener that we pick up. It's a beautiful thing. We really hope to change the world by moving this conversation forward. You don't have to agree. We don't expect you to agree. That's not what makes it a, the world a better place. Everybody agreeing. Everybody having a civil conversation is what makes the world a better place because you move the ball forward. You kick the ball down the field. It's, it's progress. That's what we seek here. So we appreciate you listening, spending any time that you do with us. If you'd like to support the show other than just listening, you can you can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. It's like an ongoing Kickstarter campaign. You can set a monthly maximum. If you want to donate a quarter an episode, you can do that. We'd love you for it. You can also go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page. There's an Amazon search bar. You can buy a book. You can buy shoe polish. Everything's there for the taking. And every little purchase goes a long way towards supporting your favorite show filled with news news, and ridiculous comment. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Everyone was like, wait, what are you saying? And I was like, bugs, bugs. And no one <laughs> <laughs> saying it multiple times was not helping people understand, but eventually they caught on.